And now, it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your hosts, Damone Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Dad Bod Rap Pod here again for another week not unlike other weeks where we talk to luminaries, DJs, writers, producers. Um, this week, we have a couple really good guests lined up. But before we get into that, I'm here. I'm joined again by the, the show's producer, the person who stitches everything together and puts a pretty bow on it. Nate, what's up, man? What's up, David Ma? I'm <laughs> good. Um, you know, it's weird. COVID numbers are coming down a ton like there's way less cases right and Mm -hmm. we're about to head but it's kind of like but we're also heading into a year of having been inside like I don't know why like the year mark is weighing on me so heavily and then the the like we crushed the 500,000 death threshold which is such a staggering number I was depressed when it was 200,000 you know what I mean right right totally Um, totally so that's a fun hip-hop topic for (laughs) opening of the podcast but that's kind of what's on my mind today it's odd to kind of like you know I know know many places in the U.S. are frozen over right now but it's actually very nice here in California I heard it was 80 in LA today like 70 today in San Jose so anyway I'm just thinking about the season changing kind of what we've been faced with in just a year inside uh how's it affecting you these days how are you feeling? um i kind of feel the same way man i'm just trying to stay mentally positive i think um and you know this is for everybody out there who's sort of our age and has been going through this but i think mental health is very important man uh, get, get that checked up on be open to your friends you know um get some dialogue going um sometimes shit just kills you uh, kills you on the inside you know and it, absolutely so yeah, i know uh, like my wife and i have like turned to kind of like the outdoors and like hiking right trying to like see more of nature and just be away from our phones and stuff what have you and your partner been doing to try to like kind of create space for yourself that's not about work or the pandemic or all that stuff wow that that that's a good question actually I mean you know me so my partner um we're we're very much like in our own zones anyways so I guess not that much has changed (laughs) you know besides just just staying in you know Uh, we sit we sit on the same couch we you know we watch the same Netflix Netflix (laughs) movies but um you know uh we try to cook together a little bit more at the house that's usually that's usually my uh frame of expertise and so I I usually do the cooking but now that she's stuck inside you know due to shelter in place or just weird job hours you know we'll 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 get down on some some casseroles or some shit you know so um but we do to your point i definitely want to like go outdoors man it's it's certainly something that you see on social media that everybody's doing and there's definitely like a goodness to that that i think you know i got to explore a little bit more but then the weather's been so shitty too like i would have loved to do something today but we've been in a a windstorm for the last two weeks. So. I know it's crazy. The The funny part is because it's so nice here in summer, like hiking is actually not a good summer activity in California because mm. it's too hot. So mm. if you go in the winter and like layer up this, I mean, I, I'm like trying to talk like I'm some kind of expert. I've been doing this for like six weeks. Uh, <laughs> but like we, We've been noticing if you like can deal with the little coldness in the morning, then you can like, 
be out there when there's not a lot of people and you'll warm up like your body just warms up because you're like walking up a freaking hill you know mm-hmm. what I mean mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. just have to get out get over that little moment when you get out of the car and you're like wait why am I doing this why am I not in bed with a cinnamon roll you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much man pretty much well you know what um for this week we have a little um segment on Canadian rappers yes. um, which isn't necessarily 1000% my forte, but we certainly have grown up and have been, um, you know, uh, moved by some Canadian artists. And uh, it was good to get a couple um, stalwarts on here. And um, yeah, let's let, let's kind of chop it up a little bit, man, about Canadian rap. Um, yeah, what, you want to talk about Neil Young first or Joni Mitchell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's funny because just for research purposes anyways, just to make sure that I'm not missing anything, when you Google Canadian rappers, Tom Green shows up. I know. I just, like <laughs> The great MC, Tom Green. W- w- was Tom Green the Lil Dicky of his day? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that might be it, right? Yeah, uh, he did okay. some joke rapping. Certainly. Right. Like rap- rapping in like a hip hop presence. I think he was in a group and he was like kind of a real rapper and then he like found comedy as this thing and continued to keep rapping as like part of his deal which oh, like I, I did not know that I don't I know if was... you guys are watching SNL at all or if you actually ever did but like every week Pete Davidson seems to be like working in some rapping like, <laughs> uh-huh I just uh-huh. feel like the show is in a tough place like they it's I have a whole shtick about it that I won't do for you but basically there I think he he was like if you guys want me to stay around you have to let me rap at least once per episode <laughs> and I guess there, there's a long and kind of unnoble tradition of comedy rap and I think Tom Green just kind of slots into that I didn't watch Tom Green stuff on MTV I've never yeah. seen Fred or is, is he the Freddie got fingered guy I believe so yeah I so, so I just I don't know that much about Tom Green I know he dated Drew Barrymore at the height right. of his fame and like props for that <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I don't know that much either. I don't know that much either. But, um, you know, one of our guests this week is the great Cadence Weapon, uh, journalist, MC, producer. And uh, we've been uh, DMing a little bit and he told us to uh, check out Bird of Prey. Yeah. Um, the, the album's called Catch an L. And I've been listening to it, man. So Cadence, um, thanks for the shout out. It's really good. Um, I'm into it. Um, it reminds me of some of the earlier stuff, like the McEnroe, Billy's Vision type stuff. The yeah. Sort of Pipskid stuff. Um, yeah very much in that lane. And there, there's a lot of goodness to that. I mean, I think the production's great. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but it feels like suburbia rap. Mm-hmm. But, but, it, but in, a, in, a very, in a very thoughtful way, these guys have really um, visual lyrics and, and there's definitely an attention to the rhymes. And, and the, beatscape, it's, the beatscape is wide open. So, I mean- Yeah, it, they were the sampling beat- a lot of interesting things. The drums hit pretty hard. Like right. I, Right. I've also gone back to that kind of like peanuts and corn. Totally. Back and totally. row kind of like. Um, Sunny samples. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's not like listening to a Lords of the Underground record. Uh, you will know? you go here with me? Maybe a little bit less like true school, but kind of like a Canadian Ugly Duckling vibe. Yes, yes, yes. L- less of the throwback part. Right. Because I know I, I know DJ um, Einstein. Yeah, Young Einstein. Yeah, He's Einstein. like super hip hop to death with the dookie chain and all totally, that. Stuff. Totally, totally. It doesn't totally. have that vibe, but it has their kind of like normal guys who just obviously love hip hop. I think yes. it's a fairly close analogy if you take out the kind of like LL Cool J stance. Yes, 
aspect, yes. right? Totally, totally. And, and and down to the vibes too, like lots of sunny songs, you know what I mean? Totally. Um, perhaps serious subject matter, but mostly just everyday life and um yeah, man. And just totally. Just we, we are champions of regular guy rap. And uh, <laughs> I, I think there's a big place for it. And so it, uh, in doing our research for this, and we're, we're talking about Canadian MCs in particular, you kind of have this newer wave with like, of like Drake's universe, or maybe like the OVO universe, right? right and we're, we're right. not totally here to talk about that today. But it's very, I think it's been good for the the kind of culture of canadian hip-hop to have like a willie mays like just like an undeniable like first ballot hall of fame guy who's like if you want to point to like what we do you have a guy now right totally totally. and then there's this really interesting universe of underground rap and like kind of the more of the stuff we cover like the kind of the backpack and post backpack eras Mm -hmm. um where you have a, a lot of interesting niche artists who've been doing things for a long time And one group that I kind of thought of when we were putting out the call to Twitter about Canadian rappers who I didn't see come up that much in the mentions Mm -hmm. was Swollen Members. Ah, right, right. But I think we talked about Mad Child. I think some people mentioned Yeah, somebody did mention Mad Child. I guess like Prevail perhaps is less less prolific or... um... Did not prevail. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Good one, good one. Um, In... A lot of people mention like they're like Maestro Fresh West is there the uh, kind of first big Canadian rapper. And I checked my my crates and I didn't look through every record or my shelves, I should say. And uh, I only have he's the only Canadian rapper I own wax from right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. I only have a couple of Maestro Fresh West singles. I think at one point I might have had like a 6-2 record, but okay. it, it didn't make the final cut. And it's either in a box somewhere or I sold it back in the day. Um <laughs> It's funny you mentioned six two six two. I, I'm a big fan of his production. Like the Me too. Early sort of Anticon years, totally. I felt like his beats always stood out. When I was like, oh, this one's cool. Oh, yeah. this sample's cool. Oh, I like these drums. It was always six two. I know he. Ha- I know he has some rapping stuff too. But I think, I, I think artistry wise, it's all about his production. Totally, I, I agree. And he he had a group with Buck sixty five as Sebutones, right? Where right. they both rapped. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if they both produced. I didn't look into it that far. But Buck sixty five was a name that came up a lot. Totally. Um, totally. What are your general thoughts on the Tom Waits of hip hop? <laughs> which I have to say is a pretty cool distinction. <laughs> it is. It is. And and I think it's fitting too. I've seen him live a couple times, and I thought he was very good live. Uh, he he makes an impression live because he's doing this slow storytelling Tom Waits shit while he's scratching um while he's like doing some turntable tricks as well he does his and whole it, show from behind the tables and just like yeah plays yeah, his just own straight stuff. up yes it's like a one-man show sort of like the minimalist edon stuff when edon did it except right. for way more serious and he's doing songs about child molestation and stuff so it's it's, right. it's on some serious hardcore yeah. shit um great producer um certainly not the the sort of um mind state i want to get into all the time so you know, I, his music isn't necessarily for my headspace these days. But yeah. um, I wonder. I, his, I love his production too. Is suffering a little because Vertex is not on streaming. I don't know right, if that's right. um, sample issues or old label issues. Mm-hmm. But um, if you if you were to look on Spotify like I did today, his um, catalog starts with Square, which is a good record in its own way. 
but mm-hmm. I think like Vertex is kind of his backpack classic and his totally. thing that people point to when they when they begin to talk about Buck 65 as this major artist. So I think we were talking about that a couple of shows ago. It just it's just weird what what gets swept up into narrative at this point. And like it kind of starts and ends for a lot of people. They'll just never do the research. Totally, what, totally. What is at their fingertips? Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I was just looking up a little bit of just Canadian rap history, and I found it fascinating. And I want to dive in a little bit more. But uh, what is considered like the first like Canadian rap song is a, is a song called Bum Rap by some cats called Singing Fools. Okay. And if you put it on, I put it on and I was like, what is this? And it actually sounds like a minimal uh, melodic post-punk keyboard beat. And then you're like, what am I listening to? And then these dudes start rapping on it. Wow. Is it like, and, like a rap and duke kind of a it's thing? A, there's a novelty rap? aspect to it, but okay. certainly certainly not overtly novelty like rap and duke was. Okay. They're not rapping in, in a robot voice. You know? <laughs> um, but I mean, it, that came out in 1982. So it's like, whoa, word. Okay, that was that's pretty early on. 82 is pretty darn early. But, but then it's like, oh, 82, uh, Curtis Blow, uh, Planet Rock, um, Grandmaster Flash. You right. know? So, Hip-hop I mean, is it, making like foundational documents for the entire culture in, in New right. York and in Canada. We have the robot guys. I haven't heard it. I can't comment on it. I do think that's super interesting, though. I'm glad you yeah. like, actually did like some like real document research to see, yeah. what, to see what came first. Did that come out on Wax? I well, the little YouTube picture I think shows a forty-five. So I'm like, oh, interesting. interesting. I actually like the beat too. The beat's really cool. And then the rapping is like, what is? What are you doing? <laughs> but 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 a lot of proto rap is kind of that, you know. It is, yeah. Um, you know, two people that came up in well, one one that came up a ton in our in our Twitter poll, and one that didn't hardly come up at all. And I wanted to talk about was like in the in the backpack era, in kind of like the raucous time frame. Uh, Socrates and Chaclair were thought mm-hmm. of as the main kind of like Canadian exports. A lot of people um, pointed to Socrates and his underground, um, it's either underground classic or some something like that. I don't have it in front of me. I didn't write down the title. Sorry, guys. Um, I'll get yelled at on Twitter for this. Um, and then <laughs> Chaclair has that song called Let's Ride, which like, that's that's a legit backpack classic. And I remember that album where he's sitting on like the ice throne being like everywhere back in the day. Dude, um, did I, you ever I, mess with any Socrates I, or Chocolate? I didn't. I, I, I actually didn't. I'm, I'm uh, having a good time listening to you recount it. Um, no, I, cert- I certainly have heard of the name and stuff. I just yeah. was kind of checking out. So I wasn't really super into it. But um, is that something that needs to be revisited? I think so. I think that's a really good song. Like, um, it, yeah, it kind of reminds me of like, uh, and he might even be on, or one of them might even be on Lyricist Lounge 2. Where okay. like where underground had gotten slightly cleaned up, like it's certainly not four track era. It's kind of mm-hmm. like digital, boom bappy. Uh, okay, like okay. Kind of late later backpack sound that I think is pretty cool, and he's a good rapper. Uh, okay, I gotta yeah. check it out. I mean, if if anything, if one thing this show has taught me is that I should revisit some stuff, and that like my critiques aren't necessarily crystallized you know what i mean like oh my god dude i mean because you and i are basically the same, <laughs> like, the same thing like a lot of things i dismissed at the time because i would be like just as an example i'd be like oh how could it possibly be as good as their first record i won't even listen to it right now i go back <laughs> and i'm like what an idiot dude i had all this access to all this stuff and i just i, I would just like didn't listen to it like why totally like, why let totally. that be the defining thing so yeah i mean a lot of my old opinions are up for um, 
debate or like um kind of like reconsideration right yeah yeah 100 i mean i love hearing another song and an album i've heard a thousand times and then all of a sudden i like that song you know i feel like i feel like that's growth makes me feel alive i know totally and it's like i i like I'm not as dismissive as I used to be. I'll be like, yeah. maybe there's merit to something, even if it's not the best thing they ever made. Like, mm-hmm. why Why would you only, like, crystallize to, I think you just used that term as well, like, an artist's <laughs> essence down to, like, their hits or their, their best thing or, like, just the thing we decided was cool at the time. Right, right. Like, someone's fifth album might have merit, like, where I just totally. checked out after three or whatever, and it's like, I don't know. This came up a lot during like the Tumex time mm-hmm. uh, when we were interviewing him. I believe when you guys are listening to this, that will have been last week. Um, he's got, I don't know, 10 records I've never heard. <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? It's like I was yeah. really into him for a time. I, I paid very close attention to his career. He's an artist who has had a lot of groups, not aliases necessarily, but more like tucked himself into some mm-hmm. groups and then the mm-hmm. project would only come out under the group name. Right. Not have even realized, even if you were like super into it, that it was it was that person who you like you're trying to follow. So that's kind of another thing about like underground hip hop is like by its nature, it's hard to follow. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, the whole thing is it's engagement. So, I mean, 2002, you're just hyper engaged. And, you know, like people bring up like, you know, the atmosphere fans bring up like sad clown, bad dub 40. And I'm like, what? I stopped listening after (laughs) Lucy Ford, you know, (laughs) but, but that's my bad. I should go back and revisit, you know? Totally. This is slightly off topic, but I was very interested to see that they remastered and like officially released God's bathroom floor for the first time. I saw that. I saw that. I I, I think like that's good. Sean, slug seems to be very aware of what people want from him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like i was i was listening to him on something uh, maybe maybe can't knock the shuffle uh, that that seems right i think that was the last interview i heard from him and he has a song uh, about like being hung over and he was just like the the fans just love this song to me it was like a nothing song but it's like they right. the other people determine what becomes the hit and i feel like he's been pretty good about recognizing that and like delivering it to people in yeah, one hundred percent. That's it makes sense, and it like the fans also want that acknowledgement of like we told right. you that was a hit. Like, give it back totally. to us now. Totally, totally, totally. I mean, as a fan and as a listener, you always want to put on a record that feels like it was made for you. You know yes. what I mean? So, so when the artist is like, "Yo, I these are I know that these are my five favorite tracks of my fans. I'm gonna put out a fucking compendium of them or something." Totally, it's, it's amazing. You know, so absolutely. Yeah, he um, has a lot of self awareness. Another couple of groups that I checked out today that I thought were good. And so I just wanted to make this point while we're, while we're talking about this Canadian stuff, as you guys can tell from this, we are far from experts. We've always right. focused more on American hip hop, but we, we had a couple of chances to connect with some Canadian artists this week. So we wanted to talk about stuff. We have Cadence Weapon coming up and then Mocha Only who did receive a lot of consideration in our poll for yeah. the best Canadian rapper and like, Mocha only is just insanely prolific. Insanely like, prolific, yeah. How how can you rap so much? It's crazy. <laughs> it's just, I'm like, he does like a Christmas special every year, or like a release that's Christmas themed. He has so many records. He's in so many groups. I went back and I was looking for something else and I discovered he was in a group with um, one of the guys from Swollen Members and Abstract Rude on Battle Axe. 
Whoa, I, was I, like, I, think, I think it's called Project Scorpion. And I was like, I don't even remember this coming out. I, I've never heard this before. I was like, that's interesting. an interesting pairing of voices and flow. Mm. And mm. it's just, there's so much music out there, man. It's crazy. But a couple of things that came up in our, in our Twitter uh, recommendations from listeners was um, Shad. You know that dude, Shad? He like hosts Hip Hop Evolution on Netflix. Yes. He has a, like four albums. <laughs> I like, did not know that. Yeah, he's a good rapper. Okay. It, it's actually kind of a relief because like I didn't know who he was. And I was like, how did he get this hosting gig? on hip-hop evolution (laughs) the best job in the world totally and he's like he's like a very well established when i once i saw the covers on streaming i was like okay i remember stocking these cds okay at at the record store and like he he so the anyway just to round back to the point i was trying to make is like i what i thought when i was listening to a lot of these people was i was like oh they're nice like you know like um Mm -hmm. people say like he's nice on the mic like Mm -hmm. But there's also kind of a thing of like kind of people's popular conception of Canada that like the people are nice. (laughs) In many cases, when I was listening to this, it was kind of both. I was, it was like, we, you, you begin to talk about like, this is pleasant. Like we were kind of talking about with the peanuts and corn guys. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think in a younger, more jaded, less perhaps I don't want to use the term enlightened, but I think you see where I'm going with this. I think I would have thought that was a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, a year into a pandemic. Right. Um, right. I've been literally sitting on this bench in my kitchen for 10 hours. I've got three mm-hmm. more to go. Nice is good. Nice is good. And you know, I, I like how these cats like project themselves. I mean, they're, they're not saying they're the best at anything. They're respectful. They're just, you know what I mean? Like their steez is, is, is affable. You know, so it's like, yeah, like, unless you make a terribly offensive song, you know, um, three out of 15 are going to catch my ear. Totally. Um, Another one, which I had, I had never heard of, and I had no frame of reference for whatsoever was a group called Flight Distance. I haven't Um, heard of them. Yeah. If you wanted to continue down the Canadian rap path after this episode, I would, I think that's something you could probably dig. I didn't look at a ton because I wanted to kind of cast a wider net today, but um, one of their members in particular was noted as one of the best um, MCs from Canada um, in the, in the Twitter stuff. And I think they, they're pretty cool, man. Like I I actually think like you could dig some of their stuff. Oh, dope. Okay. Yeah. You got to shoot that over. Yeah, for sure. For our listeners who are checking us out right now, I mean, if there if there's any uh, anything that we're overlooking that you think we should check out, I mean, hit up the DMs, hit up the Twitter, hit up the Instagram, man. Like this is what we're here for. Um, not trying to front like we're experts here, you know. Like uh, totally. this is um not like musical. we're experts on exports. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then another one last person I wanted to make sure to mention who got some love in the Twitter feed and who I listened to today was Eternia. Mm. Uh, who um, she has an album with a producer named Moss um, that I thought was pretty good. I remember that coming out when I uh, when I was working at the record store as well. And um, not to make it about that, but she is one of the female MCs that mm-hmm. people shouted out. So um, I, I listened to a couple of her tracks today, and she's she's definitely she can rhyme like dude, okay okay it's, it's um what do you know about her because i i seriously am totally unknowing yeah um, honestly like, not that much except for that she's from canada and i believe when she uh when we did i don't know if you remember this but um we interviewed the homie gang i did it as a solo mm-hmm, show uh mm-hmm. for his 
doomsday stuff uh-huh. I, I believe he talked about her being around at like a lot of the open mics in new okay. york so okay. i think she would like come down and like she was also part of that kind of like cypher era scene okay um, and I, I might be misconstruing that a little bit i haven't listened to that episode in a long time but i did just check out its soundcloud plays and like other people definitely are okay um, dope dope kind of no, a surprising I mean... number there I'll, I'll send you a, a, an image of it later but yeah anyway okay yeah I, that... I, would, yeah I would love for my takeaway to be a you know five new awesome artists to peep so yeah man thank you totally for sure um interesting music news today uh daft punk it's being framed as they're breaking up but is it i know that they're retiring like yeah, what but do you it, think about all that? Uh, I, I felt like it was probably like a bit of an attention grab. You know what I mean? I So they're retiring or you just stop making music for right now or right. what? You know what I mean? Like, right. are they taking off their helmets and, and putting <laughs> it on a shelf? Blending back into society? I don't know. <laughs> you know, are they going to have aliases without the helmets? Like, I don't, right. I don't know. And, you know, Daft Punk there are characters, sort of, you know, so. Yeah. Like these robot dudes. So I don't know, man. They, they sort of exist in this lore for me. I, I kind of think it's funny that people are sort of reexamining their music now and like talking about what's sampled and what's not and like just their whole um, presentation. But yeah, I, I, I personally am a huge fan. So yeah. I'm, you I, and I, I were know. hanging out at the time where uh, they were doing that uh tour where they had the big pyramid yeah yeah. and a bunch of our friends went to the show and like for a while it seemed like Daft Punk was like all anyone wanted to listen to totally around me and like everyone was obsessed with their um production techniques and like just that whole wave of French house I like Ed Banger Records and Justice and Sebastian and it's it's like I'm you know on record many times on this podcast saying I don't understand dance music and that somewhat (laughs) extends to Daft Punk's music. I like their music more than I like some of the other stuff, but I I don't think I own any Daft Punk records. Like I think maybe my wife has a copy of Random Access Memories Mm, we bought when it first came out because like Get Lucky was playing at we happened to be in LA the weekend that it came out and the we like, I think I remember that, our yeah. Uber drove past the billboard and like mm-hmm. they were playing get lucky, like everywhere. And I was like, well, yeah. I guess I should like pick up this record. Uh, no, I, don't, totally. I don't think it's, I don't think I've even actually opened it yet. And I guess that's kind of not their best work, like homework and uh, that I live like that record, record from too, 2007 though. are like supposed to be the, the big ones, but yeah, it's an interesting, they're an interesting group. And if you haven't made an album for eight years, didn't you retire eight years ago? Exactly. Exactly. So th- that's another part of it. Like the, this, this gap in the chronology, it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> someone found an email, like, you know, so yeah, it's, it, 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 I thought the whole thing was kind of weird. I'm not really be- putting too much into it um, yeah but, and no know. one ever really retires in music right like, exactly what does a musical retirement announcement really mean in 2021 right. right i mean boxers don't retire musicians don't retire you know? totally um you guys are probably noticing that damone is not around he had a day job commitment he's uh yes he should be back for part of the episode um but damone is always missed i would love to hear damone's thoughts on the daft punk breakup i think we might have just summarized them but <laughs> we'll never know we, we'll never know and uh, doing something never- else and then another new record that came out that i wanted to touch on real quick is uh mavi yes uh, former yes. dbrp guest yes um and I think- kind of part of a wave of younger mcs 
who we have our eye on. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, put out a put out an EP. What did you think of it? First listen, thought, reactions. First listen, uh, literally only listened to it once. Loved it. Um, I, you and I were speaking a little bit beforehand. Um, I think he's gotten better. He's gotten yeah. better. And you know, if you listen to our uh, um, our interview with him, um, I forgot what episode that was. He is not like how he is on the, our interview. I mean, yeah, he was like yeah. cutting class and just smoked like 30 blunts or something. Yeah. Before. <laughs> but um, he is he is incredibly, incredibly thoughtful. Um, and, you know, I don't throw this word around, but he's very poetic. Yeah. And, um, th- this album sort of speaks to that because the production is very minimal. Um, on the cover, it says poems by him, you know, yeah. but it's not, it's not a straight spoken word record. And yeah, man, I think it's fantastic. I can't wait. Uh, to listen more it's definitely something that is gonna um beg for repeat listens because it's Absolutely. so dense it's so dense and he's saying so much and um i mean if if he's the wave of the future i mean i'm certainly here for it um it's it's really cool to see how these earl spawns have taken a life of of their own you know yeah. i mean they're not making songs that sound like earl anymore but yeah but you hear earl in them and, yeah um yeah, man. What did you think about it? Uh, how did it hit you? I just listened to it for the first time. I was certainly entertained. We, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Shel Silverstein inspired mm. cover art, which I think is super interesting. I, I always thought of that as something from my childhood, and I'm mm. quite a bit older than Mavi and these new wave of rappers. Like he's, you know, in his early twenties, I believe, if not mm. even a little younger. So yeah. I, I just. I just didn't know that would resonate with a, a younger generation. And it's certainly something that's going to catch my eye. That's very much something that influenced me and I grew up on, but I thought that he's rapping a little harder yeah. than he did on the previous album, which was let the sun talk, which is a great record and something that like we were moved by yep. when it came out and we, we caught it kind of early in its life when it was a SoundCloud thing and then went on to purchase the wax and interview him for the show. And so he's, a, he's an artist that we we've kind of had our eye on is the only way I can kind of keep putting it. Cause we, you know, I, is his music for us? I, I don't know, but it's just good hip hop. And 100%, 100%. Like I love that access and that insight. And I'm fascinated by, as, as you were saying, they're kind of people who like emerged in the, the school of thought, that's personified by Earl Sweatshirt and his approach to production rapping and like putting projects together. But what it, what it, I think the defining quality of it, because if you notice this production is not super sludgy. Right. Right. We're moving out of sludge village onto some other different (laughs) kind of uh, land here. So what defines it is that you, you termed it thoughtfulness and I'll go one step further and be like, kind of like emotionality. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, these, depth these young men who are just so in touch with their emotions like 100 percent, man when i when i was his age i was trying to drink all that away <laughs> i know totally well i'm sure he i'm sure he does a lot of smoking as, as we found out but yeah i mean uh again to to your point is the music for us i mean i know we're not young black males you know um but it's it, it's just there's just so much depth to it man and and the, like you were saying like the production's so minimal and it and it's purposeful because it illuminates his writing prowess. And it's just fantastic. Everything is done in earnest. 
Um, and I think that's what sort of stands out. And that's another thing. I'm, I'm really glad you used that term because it, it kind of relates back to what we were talking about with kind of like the niceness of Canadian right. rappers. Like I, th I think you and I both, and we're, we're some cynical jaded <laughs> MFs, no um, especially off mic, um, <laughs> tend to use terms like earnest as a negative. Like I yeah. know I've had some, some conversations with some of our, our friends when they try to recommend me music and I'm like, couldn't get into it. It was too earnest. Like it's, it's very spotty how that, um, that can be you. I don't, I don't exactly know what I'm trying to say, but basically like it, it's working for me in this regard. Totally. Totally. Earnestness. If it's not accompanied by skill, I suppose is like, it's not a stand in for like good rapping, right? 100%. It's like, it has to be an aspect of your personality that you bring to the table with exactly. a heavy, kind of set of skills and a craftsmanship otherwise exactly. you're just like anyone could just talk like yeah, that's, and, that's not and, entertaining and then you slip into being corny you know what i mean right the line so the line between earnest and corny <laughs> is extremely extremely thin right gossamer thin man yeah. <laughs> all right this week is just like every other week we we have the dopest minds in the culture um all the way from canada journalist producer writer rapper just the most affable, coolest dude, Cadence Weapon, is on the program today. Dad bod, rap pod, another episode, another dope interview lined up for y'all. Joining us in Zoom, we have Canadian rapper slash writer, poet laureate, all kinds of fly things. We want to welcome to the program, Cadence Weapon. How's it going, man? Chilling. What's up with y'all? Uh, man, surviving out here in a uh, in pandemic world, but glad to have you on the program uh, I usually start off with any rapper that we talk to that's not from New York or LA, or LA. And I ask like, you know, you're from Alberta, Canada. How did, how did you foment the dream to become a rapper? Like how did, how did, that, how did that come together for you kind of growing up where you grew up? Well, yeah, it, it, that is a great question because um, where I come from, I'm originally from Edmonton, Alberta. And um, when I was growing up, you know, it wasn't like a hip hop place. Like, you know, they didn't play it on the radio. My dad was a radio DJ, right? And that was the main mm. thing. So he came on the scene there. His name was T-E-D-D-Y. And he introduced rap basically to Edmonton. He's from New York originally. Oh, wow. So I, I'm, he was kind of like a, a legendary figure. He, he passed away when I was younger, but um Back in the day, it was just like everyone would tune in Saturday nights, just listen to him uh, do his thing. And he would just play rap, R&B, old funk, boogie and stuff. And I basically grew up in a library of music and I just grew up listening to rap. And so I had a personal connection to it. Okay. Okay. Dope, man. Dope. Well, you know, I, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up um, your Magnetic Days, as well as, um, you know, your Edmonton's Poet Laureate, as well as... Um, um, uh, all your journalistic work that you recently have been doing a lot more. Um, 
Can you talk a little bit about when you were fascinated by language, the written word and all that? Yeah, I, I mean, it started when I was really young, you know, um, in junior high, I was in, in a part of the newspaper there, you know, I used to, um, you know, write poems, I used to write, um, I used to do like a blind item about house parties, where I would just be, it was, I would call myself the party prince. And I would just let everybody know what was going down. Um, but yeah, like, I've always just loved just the written word and just in every way. And I feel like it's been really cool as I've gotten older, that I've been able to combine each side of writing in everything I do. So That's awesome. Um, can we talk a little bit about after party babies? Yeah, yeah, I have, for sure. I have kind of a weird question and then I have like a real question after. And my, my first question is, are, are you still friends with those people on the cover? <laughs> <laughs> I love that question. Uh, yeah. I'm friends with a lot, a lot of them. They're all my actual friends. Okay. Um, except for one person in, in the background who is actually doing rabbit ears above my head. Of course, the one person I don't know is doing that. <laughs> not going to hang out um, with that guy 20 years later or whatever. Where are we now? 15? I, I was like, who is that fucking guy? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, those are all a lot of really good friends of mine. Like there's some people from the Edmonton rap scene in there. You know, uh, there's a rapper, uh, Conspiracy. <laughs> was, he, he was a, a bit like uh, he was like Lil B before Lil B. Okay. okay. He, was, uh, he was very he, he him and his brother are rappers. Uh, his brother is a rapper called Mindbender, and uh, yeah, they're Canadian legends for sure. If you know anyone from Canada who's like underground leaning, they'll know them. Uh, I I, I want to say it's it's kind of a hipster rap album, and I don't know. I think you you addressed that on the thing, and it, it seemed like the just the cover and the sound and the 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 many themes addressed at the time and um i'm glad i was kind of on the right track with that but what i really want to ask you about is the tattoo song Mm -hmm. um i just found that song to be very compelling i'm not a tattoo guy i don't Mm -hmm. have any tattoos but i i often wonder why people get them and so for the sake yeah there you go (laughs) for the sake of um People who can't see it or haven't heard it in a while. Like, can you kind of break down what you were getting at on that song? Yeah. So that song, um, it's about a specific girl that I was really into, but I decided to turn it into this big extended metaphor. So it's not really about tattoos, but it's, you know, I just wanted to get kind of fly with like the, the metaphor thing, but um yeah, that's the thing with that album. A lot of the stuff uh, gets kind of misconstrued as to like what my purpose was, because I know back at that time, it was 2008, and I was doing some very weird music. You know, at the time it was like, okay, I'm making these beats. It's this very house music influenced um, hipster referencing record. But the thing was, it was never meant to be like ironic. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the thing. It was It was not supposed to be ironic at all. I was dead serious. I was like, I was seeing it from like a journalistic lens and I was like, okay, let me, you know, I'm, I'm in the cut watching the vice party unfold. Right. You know? And then, you know, it's like, I wanted all the beats I was making. It was like the setting, you know, for every encounter I was having with these people. And it was based on true experiences I had. And I was like, also, you know, at the time I was um, 22. So it was like, I was barely old enough to go to the bar, you know? And it's like, it was really encapsulating this very exciting time for me, especially mm. I felt like musically it was a very exciting time, you know, 
in when you think of like the hollertronics kind of era and like right. holler report and all that stuff that i was internet music was great at that time that was the early blog era you know like uh, and i was a part of that i had a blog you know so i i feel like i i i hold that record in high regard for myself i really like that record some yeah, you people had, you had a couple lines on there today where i was like damn dude like this is a time capsule and i'm a little bit older than you so i saw some of this from a bit of a remove um, but th- there were a couple of things like um, you're a, you're a Pisces like Andre Nicotina yeah. um, and you, you did this thing with the tainted love and shouting out Gloria Jones instead of soft cell which was like I was, nice. okay, I was like okay dude this guy's killing it like this is, <laughs> this is really interesting to me to hear and to go back to that time and like um, it was really fun I think that's what people forget like there's a reason it was like that 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 initial blog era excitement launched kind of a digital publishing revolution right it's because the music was Mm -hmm. really really fun so i think you you nailed that Um, and i I really want to point out though that that record i was i was making that record right after breaking kayfabe and Mm -hmm. in like 2006 uh when uh, in between tour and that was before kanye was doing stronger that was before kid cuddy came out like Mm -hmm. i was on that electronic tip way before in my opinion like i just want to put that on record because <laughs> i was furious when they dropped for, <laughs> really? for, the record. for the record i was like wow what? okay yeah yeah um it's it's funny how that happens right yeah. uh talk a little bit you've talked about some of kind of your electronic and, and dance fluent influences um i noticed also on your records kind of peppered with um what I would say some West Coast influences. You have a great song about the weed man where you're taking E40 vocals and splicing them in. Um, who were your like lyrical influences as you were coming into making, you know, your original albums? Oh, well, I love that question because, you know, I consider myself to be more of a West Coast MC, just, mm. you know, Edmonton, we're close to the, the, the West, you know, we're like more like above like Montana or whatever, but uh, call us Midwest, sure. <laughs> okay. But uh, but I always grew up associating more with, you know, like Souls of Mischief, uh, Dell was a huge one, Bus Driver. Um, my first tour was actually with Bus Driver. Ooh. It was uh, me, Islands, and Bus Driver, and Y, actually. Wow. Um, and um, Bus Driver is definitely a stylistic influence. Um, Micah Nine, though, really is kind of my lodestar. I think it is for a lot of people, a lot of MCs. Where like you know, first time I hear inner city griots, you know, changed my life really. You know, it was just was this uh, idea of um, possibility. You know, like it felt like anything was possible. I was like, wow, I didn't know you could do that on a track. Um, another West Coast person whose big influence on me is Razkaz. Mm. I used to love Razkaz, and this is you know he would just get so deep with the wordplay, and he was doing things like. Uh, rapping things like he's dyslexic or whatever, like this is this kind of like playful stuff that I that that's big influence on me. Dope, dope, man. You know, um, we've we've been fixating a lot on um, your writing acumen, your 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 rapping acumen, but you know, you've also done a lot of remixes. Um, you know, you did the Think About Life and Liars, and I saw on your Bandcamp you had the remixes from 2009 to 2013 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about like your production work and uh, you know the approach that you take to it versus writing or rapping? 
Yeah, you know, with the remixes, that was something, you know, I was doing kind of at the same time as putting out my first record. It's like the very first thing I put out was a mixtape, um, Cadence Weapon is the Black Hand, which had, you know, remixes, kind of bootlegs, me rapping over like mad villain beats and stuff. And just, it was very random, but it was very cool, I feel like at the time. And mm. um, that really got me sparked to do more and more remixes. And I just love the idea of uh, recontextualizing music you know uh another artist that is a big influence to me is tricky you mm. know the uk artist and mm. uh just the way that he always does cover songs that are just completely different or the way he would flip samples on max and quay you know that was a huge influence to me and i was always like okay i want to just like flip everything you know and it, mm -hmm. and then it became like okay i want to remix every band i know in edmonton and then it was like okay everybody in canada you know and then it was just like <laughs> further and further like I did a remix for bus driver you know um the liars one all, all those ones you were talking about that that actually uh, the remix album that you're talking about that was something I wanted to do just kind of compiling a lot of them during like mm -hmm. a period of time where they you know the, you know sometimes you'll put out a remix or something and it'll be on like a soundcloud of somebody some blog and then it'll just like disappear you know and it's like, <laughs> I was like let me give some permanence to this stuff yeah, so, uh, yeah, I put that out for like pay what you can. And I, I also did it, you know, it was last summer. And just as a response to, you know, the George Floyd protests and everything, I uh, I did a thing where I gave 50% um, of the proceeds to the Canadian Association of Black Journalists. Mm. And uh, that was dope. Like we raised, you know, 800 bucks dope. You know, in nice. one day. Like it was, yeah, that's awesome. it was dope. That's so dope, man. Um, I'd like to go back to the fellowship a little bit just just before we started recording today i revisited your um pitchfork sunday review piece on inner city griots uh, really well done i guess what i want to ask you is did you feel like um you needed to like represent like their their impact on yourself or their impact on music or like like did you take it as like a big responsibility to be the person like re-delivering this great piece of art for a modern audience Yes. Yeah. That's one, like, you can't fuck it up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like it, for a lot of people, you know, the pitchfork review becomes like the, the record of this album, you know? So it was like, okay, I got to do it justice. I got to, you know, contextualize it properly. And I also have to really uh, explain how much weight this record really has, you know, and on so many different levels, whether it's just like back, if you were in the nineties, when it came out, how did it affect people then, but also just the legacy. Like there's just, there were a bunch of ways to approach it, mm -hmm. but I also wanted to really explain what is technically interesting mm -hmm. about that group, you know? And it was, that was so fun to do because I was doing so much research and I feel like research is like digging for records for me. Yep. You know? yep. So I was just like, I was just going in and like reading all the old source, you know, interviews and just like mm -hmm. finding all these tidbits. And it's like, yeah, that, you know, I feel like I felt really happy uh, with that review in particular. Yeah, it's really well done. Uh, we appreciate it. And I, I have to say, uh, it's not easy to contend with peace or his place in the group or his like, just stylistically, just like very odd place in rap. And I thought that you, there was a couple little turns of phrase that you used where I was like, that's actually helping me understand this dude I've been listening to for 30 years. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Oh. I love to hear that. That's dope. That's dope. All right. Well, since you, we know you're, you're a rapper, producer, also a journalist, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, give us, I don't know what the equivalent in Canada is, but mm -hmm. give us your Canadian Mount Rushmore of rap. Who are your, 
who are who are the the gods in the Canadian rap uh, pantheon? Oh, that is a great question, and that's the thing about Canada is it's a very large land mass, but uh, it's also like a small town. Everybody knows each other. And it's just, you know, everybody's affected by everything that drops, right? So I would be in Edmonton, but then, you know, I, I'd be really hearing all the rappers from Toronto and it was like, no big deal. So, okay, I'll, I'll start it off with like, the, it's essentially the most influential to me. Okay. Uh, you got to start with, to me, Cardinal Official. Okay. You know, Cardi was, you know, a huge trailblazer, you know, really the first person to kind of, you know, other than like Maestro back in the day, um, to really in my generation to really like blow up a little bit in the States. Like he had the song with Akon, like that was like yeah. a big deal, you know, pre, pre Drake. Right. Sure. Um, so I'll say Cardinal um, for me personally, I would say buck 65. Mm. He's a, he's a huge influence and he was so supportive to me coming, coming on the scene. That was the thing is like when I came, came out uh, with my first record in 2005, you know, he was right there, like on it and like hitting me up. And I feel like there's always been a bit of a kinship between he and I. And he was the first person, like when I first heard Vertex, you know, um, it blew my mind and it really expanded the way that I thought about rap records and what they could be, you know, like he's he's doing like Brian Ferry covers and stuff. Right, right. You know, uh, it, it was just so wild, right? And And to me, that was like, okay, this is somebody opening the door for me to go through, you know, when I heard like that record, Man Overboard. And then, and then he took me on tour with him. Um, oh. we, we toured across Canada and that was amazing. So, and I, he, I'm on his record Situation as well mm-hmm. um, on the song Bins. So shout out to Buck 65. He's to me, one of the big Canadian legends. Uh, so those are two. Um, and then I want to do one. I want to know if you guys know about these guys. Okay. You guys, you, guys, <laughs> you usually know about stuff, but um, Peanuts and Corn, you know, I got to give them a shout out. Have you ever heard of that record label? Uh, McEnroe? Yes, that's McEnroe. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I remember yes. that. Yeah, for yes. sure. I was like, into McEnroe, Billy's Vision, right? Yes, 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 yeah. yes. yes. Yeah. Some regular dude rap. That is, that yeah. is our lane. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See, those, those guys are all... For, Primarily from Winnipeg. Okay. Okay. Um, and that's like not super close to where I'm from, but it's in the same like region, sort of. Gotcha. Uh, but when I was growing up, uh, the record um, Hip Hop Wieners, <laughs> All Beef No Chicken. I remember stocking that at the record store. I remember and I that. definitely listened to it a couple of times. That record was wicked. Yeah. And it was the first time I really heard people rapping like Canadian. Because you got you to gotta understand, like in the 90s when I was growing up and like early 2000s, it was like every rapper from Canada, every rapper from Toronto, they were trying to sound like they were from New York. Right. Everyone was faking the funk. It was, it was like no originality, really. It was, in, in my opinion, it was a very whack time. Right. And then I hear these peanuts and corn records where they're rapping, they sound super Canadian and they are rapping about stuff that only Canadians would know about. They're rapping about, you know, doing an inside job at Money Mart. You know, <laughs> like it's like so specific, you know? I, I love that. And uh, they, they were very supportive to me, all those dudes. But um, the one, I'm going to reference two rappers specifically. There's John Smith, who I think is a very, very underrated uh, rapper. 
Um, he, he's got so many dope records. Uh, one record is Pinky's Laundromat. That okay. record was uh, very influential in me. I would say influential to After Party Babies because it was just so conceptual and it tells a story throughout. And it's kind of similar to that um, Streets record. Um, a grand Original Pirate free. Material. No, the second oh, one. Oh, Grand Don't Come for Free. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah, like it, it was just a really cool narrative. And he, I just always thought he was a sick rapper. So oh. I would say him. And then my fourth is going to be uh, also related to Peanuts and Corn. This man is a monster. He is absolutely nasty. Uh, Bird of Prey. Do you guys oh, know Bird of Prey? Yeah. Did, didn't he, we didn't interact he on stuff, Twitter? Didn't he do stuff with Pip's Kid? He did. Yeah. Okay, shout out to okay. Pip's Kid as well. Word. Um, Bird of Prey is, I think, one of the best rappers of our time. Oh, wow. Okay. He, he doesn't get any props. And it's because he's, he's, he's a bit low key. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's not he's not doing the most that's that's for sure but what's a signature project i want to like yeah. write this down for sure the, the record that everyone who is listening to this podcast needs to hear is called catch an l okay that record to me you know he, that came out i think i want to say 2011 and at the time that it came out he really innovated you know because he was he did a lot of the beats and he was behind the production he's a famous uh digger he finds all these crazy records. And um, he was the first person I really heard who was just rapping over samples and there's like no drums. Interesting. Mm. On okay. that record, the whole record is like, there might be a couple of drums somewhere in the sample, but there's like no other production. And mm. I was like, at the time I was like, this is super radical. Like this is, I've <laughs> not really heard anything like this. And it was before like you started hearing like, you know, Kanye doing tracks like, you know, uh, um bound too or like or the mad lib track you know like yeah i feel like he was ahead of his time on that so uh it's shout out so to bird prey i'm on that record too so okay not, right on but I'm, not, but I'm not biased but, <laughs> but i actually i did kill that shit too the <laughs> <laughs> raisin beams that's the song nice oh. nice it's funny, uh, Damone will get mad at me briefly for saying this, but I can't think of uh, Winnipeg stuff without thinking about that Weaker Than song. Do you know that song? Yeah. You know how they yeah. hate Winnipeg? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have a love-hate relationship with my hometown, so I've always... I, anyway, we're, I'm getting off track. But, um, but that's kind of on track, actually, yeah. for me. <laughs> because rapping about where you're from, even though it's like you know not noteworthy to most people, yeah. that was something that really inspired me with all that Winnipeg rap. These guys are... They got tracks like uh pipskid uh john smith and scratch bastard oh yeah mm-hmm. they put out a record together that is really good and uh that was like one of the first times i played out of edmonton was in saskatoon <laughs> on their tour that's funny uh, we yeah, also yeah. interact i think more on instagram with these dudes called saskatoon full crap do you know those yeah guys? i do know those guys like epic um and so so and like all yeah those, like, i haven't so checked out a ton of the music yet but they seem like awesome guys it just seems like a cool fun project they love rap like those people they they really love rap that's the thing is like we're all these canadians we're like stuck in the snow like the majority of the year we're inside yeah. and what yeah. we're doing we're listening to records we're listening to rap records we're making rap records and that's pretty much it so that's dope that's dope so you you've got a you've got a new album coming out in April. Would you tell us a little bit about that and also a single coming out before then? Yeah, yeah. So um, my next record is called uh, Parallel World. Um, it's coming out April thirtieth, and you know I haven't put out an album since two thousand eighteen. 
um, which was my self-titled record. And then between that, I did an EP with this uh, producer called Jacques Green, who he makes kind of techno music. He's from Montreal and we have like a really good like musical partnership that's going, we've made like tons and tons of tracks. Um, so it really is an extension of that EP. It's like a lot more electronic in a lot of ways, but I think it actually might be my most um, conventional rapping record. Okay. You know, like I, I just went as hard as I could, you know, I, there's definitely a lot of UK vibes, like musically, you know, like I, I've always been a little influenced by UK grind music and, you know, now I, I have a, a track that's kind of UK drill influence, you know, mm -hmm. but it's also, you know, there's some like hyper pop elements, but every song is just like bars as well. And this is something like I wrote this album over the pandemic, you know, like last year was so crazy, obviously, like I know it's an understatement, of the year, <laughs> but it really was crazy because like right before it all happened, I was very busy. I was, um, you know, I was acting in a play in Montreal, you know, wow. um, I did that for a month. That was back when you could you go to a play. You know? yes. I was mm. a narrator. I was using my voice. So I, I did that. And then I was at the Banff Center, which is this uh, kind of artist colony where you go to Banff, Alberta. And um, I was uh, teaching. So I was there I was a, as a guest mentor for the singer songwriter um, component that they had there. So I was like super busy. And then it was like, whew, everything's done. Right. And then it was like, I decided at that point, I was like, I'm not going to do shit. That was my first thing. It's like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to like, because I never get to do this. So I'm just going to not do anything. Right. So I did that for like a little bit. But then in the absence of having to like tour or travel or do anything, I ended up um, getting all these ideas, you know, and it all was cycling in my mind. And I was like going for runs in like the industrial area near my house. And uh, just, I would have to stop and I'd have to like write down and record what I was doing. And a lot of it was a direct reflection of, you know, things like the, you know, obviously the Black Lives Matter movement, um, George Floyd protests, all the stuff in the summer and just kind of seeing all the inequalities, you know, uh, be blown up in HD, cotton 4K, <laughs> as, as they mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just like, oh, all these things I've noticed for my entire life, it's like, okay, now everyone is talking about it finally, right? And then it's like, I started making the connections and thinking about how it relates to Canada, you know, because that's the thing is like, people just think of Canada as just like a bunch of nice people and we like hockey or whatever, but we have big racism here, you know, like, uh, mm. you know, our prime minister is wearing blackface. So many yeah, times right. he couldn't count. He was actually, uh, I, I don't know how many times I've done it. <laughs> that was like, my show. I was like, one? that hurt me. I was like, Justin, you don't, you have no fucking idea how many times you've done blackface. So I was like, and then, and then people just moved on from that news story. I was like, what? Right. What the fuck? Right. Man. Yeah. So that's fish to fry at that point, sadly. Uh. Yeah, true that, true that. But you know, that, that was what the basis of the record is, you know, it's like just, you know, when I talk about parallel world, I think about the idea of how, you know, two different people can live in the same city and walk down the same street, but experience yeah. the world in two completely different ways. Mm. Totally. Mm. That's the vibe. Okay. Okay. Well, man, thank you for, for kind of breaking that down. Really excited to hear the record as we know uh, folks on this program are. You can uh, hit up Bandcamp, Cadence Weapon at Bandcamp. And we just, we thank you for coming on the program, man. Yeah. Appreciate thank it. 
thank you so much for having me man this has been uh i love to just nerd out about rap so it's dope <laughs> absolutely <laughs> we yeah, have same. to have you on again man. <laughs> absolutely anytime guys okay. anytime. Dope. Dope. cool all right, and if man. you uh, want to send the record, we can keep a secret. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Appreciate so, it. Man. All right, man. It was really Thank nice so meeting much, you. Man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, good to meet you guys. All right. Take we'll, care. We'll be in touch, man. Have a good one. Thank All you. All right. Thanks, y'all. Peace. Peace. Dad bod rap pod. That was our conversation with Cadence Weapon. Uh, shout out to him for coming on. Living up to the Canadian stereotype of super nice people. I've just never met an asshole Canadian. I mean, I'm sure they exist, you know, but I every Canadian I've met in real life is uh, super affable and, and cool. And so uh, appreciate Cadence Weapon coming on. And um, if you like that conversation and you really rock with the dad bods, we got a, a promotion we're doing right now with an app called Stereo, where you can keep the conversation going. You can jump right out of listening to an episode and then come on to the Stereo app and scream at us in real life. Mondays, 730, uh, a couple of the dad bods will be doing, uh, you know, very similar to a podcast. Nate, how would you describe the stereo app for folks who haven't tried it yet? Yeah, it's a it's an interactive conversation where there are two hosts of the room and they're kind of setting the tone, but people who want to participate can record little voice memos and send them in. They are briefly kind of um scanned to make sure they're not offensive and then added into the conversation. So um, it's an interesting idea. It's um, not something I would normally necessary, necess necessarily mess with. I feel like I have a lot of outlets for talking to people, mm -hmm. but it's been really cool. And I think for people in the pandemic, it's yeah. probably a really yeah. good resource. And I will say the first day we were messing with it when Dave got paired with an old lady for 20 minutes and is too nice to get out of it was probably Brilliant. one of the funniest. It's, it's one of the most, yeah. The last couple of months. Yes. Uh, it, and that's an interesting function of stereo. Actually, when you create an account and you go on, um, it does pair you with just different folks you can talk to from around the world. Uh, Dave uh, has a Jamaican friend now that he made, that he made on stereo. But we are going to be, for about the next seven weeks, we are going to be doing a special stereo Monday night session uh, where you can hear us usually talk about the, episode, the podcast episode we just recorded because we record on Mondays. So support the program. Check out the stereo app. You can get it uh, via Apple or the Google Play Store. Download and look for the dad bod rap pod triumvirate and we will keep bringing the content to you in all the platforms we zoom in we stereo we we everywhere out here and this episode doesn't even stop we we got a double decker of uh of canada for you our next guest uh, is really one of probably the most prolific 
uh, rappers to ever come out of out of Canada. Um, Super Cool Cat was gracious to uh, spend some time with us, and uh, actually, as you'll hear, a little bit perturbed. He couldn't spend more time with us, uh, so that just tells you it was a dope interview. So let's get to it. Here is our interview with Mocha Only, Dad by Rap Pop. Dad Bod Rap Pod, another week, another dope interview for y'all. Joining us in Zoom, we have Canadian MC. You might know him from his work with Swollen Members, also Len, and a very extensive uh, solo career. We want to welcome to the podcast, Mocha Only. How's it going, man? Peace, man. How you doing? Man, uh, living, it's it's... These are heavy times. We're glad you could you could make uh make time to to kick it with us. Um, well, I got nothing but time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, right now, no, we 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 feel you. We feel you. Um, wanted to ask just kind of off top. Um, I know you're you're from Vancouver area. Um, you've been around for a really long time. Can, can you tell us, how, how did you, um, I don't want to say get out of, but how, how did you get into hip hop's consciousness coming from a place that, you know, is not necessarily? Um, well, you know, it was uh, like Vancouver. It's not like Vancouver is a tiny city, you know what I mean? It's, it's small, but it's mm -hmm. still three million people. There was still enough happening when the first wave of hip hop hit the west coast of North America that that we got a taste of it, and um, through that, and you know uh, Hollywood like Beach Street becoming you know coming out as as a movie and stuff. It was mm -hmm. it was pretty easy to uh, catch a glimpse of what was happening in hip hop even at a young age. You know what I mean? Like when Beach Street came out, I think I was like ten years old. But mm. that was that was the start of it for me, really. You know, I I'd seen Grandmaster Flash, you know, the message and all that. You know, what I'm saying I had a taste of of Run DMC, and and when I saw that movie Beach Street, you know, say what you want about Beach Street, yeah, the corny love story or whatever, but it was the introduction of the culture to a lot of people, myself included. And okay. um. I was in grade school at the time and I remember there was cats that were breaking or at least, you know, given a, a valiant attempt at breaking <laughs> during like school recess or whatever, they bring out the cardboard, they have a box with them, and, you know, saying cats would have mixtapes. I don't know where they got them, but, you know, I ended up benefiting from that, man. So that was the beginning. And then I started, you know, doing freestyle raps and all that sort of stuff around 12 years old, I guess that would be 1986. Wow. And by 87, that's when I started thinking about, you know, maybe this might be a career path or whatever. So I started writing raps and spitting them at people. So that was the beginning. That's how I found it all. 
Wow. Wow. Well, you know, I mean, your career and especially how prolific you are, I mean, we'll get that into a second, but I mean, you just, it seems like you work nonstop, man. So when I'm looking at your back catalog, I, I, I want to do a sort of um, re reminisce a little bit about um, Up Coast Relics. Uh, what do you remember oh. about that, man? I mean, I, looking, at, looking at your catalog, that's, that's one of the first ones. So can you just kind of tell us what comes to mind when you think about that? Uh, naivety, <laughs> being like young and, <laughs> young and naive, but, um, huh, let me, let me search for the right word, man. Well, I wouldn't say desperate, but it, it's like, I had recordings, like, you know, I guess proper recordings, you might say as early as 89 or 90, and mm. Just the reality, it seemed like me tr like trying to shop demos to a label. It just wasn't happening. Mm. And I'd heard about what was happening in the Bay Area, about cats selling tapes out of their trunk and like stuff happening on like Telegraph. It, anyway, so I heard about that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just try that myself. I'm just going to. I had a collection of like ragtag songs I had done in various cats' basements. And so I said, I'm going to assemble this and take a stab at just putting out a tape on my own, just going out onto the street and, and see see what happens. And and it worked. I mean, I was selling tapes at like $20 a pop, which was a little ridiculous at the time, but <laughs> people was enthusiastic about it because remember, hip hop was still pretty underground with the exception of a few people that made it onto pop radio or whatever so there's a curiosity there's so much more of a curiosity toward hip-hop so i'd be out slanging the tapes and busting freestyles on the street you know um that was that was my hustle man and if it wasn't for that you know i, I don't know what would have happened man like that's that's how i was able to prove myself it was you know i did that first tape and then a few more tapes followed. I used that same formula. And, you know, let's say uh, jump ahead uh, uh, a few years, like by 97, 98, I was starting to, you know, I, was, I remember going on the road with Cool Keith and Cutmaster Curtains. Like, this was all because I had done that, you know, like to create a buzz, so, you know? Yeah, that's amazing that that uh, particular strain of Bay Area entrepreneurialism spoke to you. Um, well, I, I had also seen my dudes, Hiro, do it, too, after they got dropped from their labels, respectively. Totally. You know, they're like, we're going to take this into our own hands. Now, I didn't have a, a, a fan base like they had created, nor did I have the capital to really put out things the way that I wanted to. But I didn't care. I was like, you know what? I'm 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 just gonna I'm just gonna go for what I know and see where it pans out. Totally. Um, so uh, Dave and I are both huge fans, and for me, this was the first time I, I ever heard of you of the song "Variety" from the Defenders of the Underworld compilation. Um, oh, the I, yeah, exactly. And um, I, I, it's funny. I've I've just always had a real affinity for that song, but I was listening to it recently and it uh it dates it so much because it uh you mentioned having a blockbuster night and uh <laughs> it's just funny it, it's just because funny. i made that song in 1998 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I just love that song. I was just wondering if you have any stories about that or that time that you could share with us. Well, y'all mentioned Lynn. I mean, I, I was not in the group Lynn, but I knew those guys. And Mark from Lynn actually made that beat. I dropped in on his studio. He was living in Toronto, Ontario, which is, you know, on the East Coast. And um, I was out there doing God knows what, probably selling tapes or whatever. And uh, I was friends with him and dropped in on a session. And he's like, yo, I got this. Why don't you take a stab at it? So I just wrote something real quick. And I was kind of into, um, I was trying to, I was formulating a character I had made called Ron Contour. So that's basically like a Ron Contour song, which is like, it, you know, it's an alter ego that I've done off and on just for shits and giggles. Um, there wasn't really much to it other, other than just, here's the beat, Mo. Let's see what you come up with. You know what I mean? And we, we made the track and I didn't really think nothing much of it. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I held on to it. And um, when Mad Child was talking about doing a, a compilation to help boost the presence of Battle Axe Records, I submitted that song. I thought it might work. You know what I'm saying? And you know, there's a lot of heavy hitting shit on on that compilation to yeah. to my recollection. Um, yeah, I so think I was, it's kind of a change of pace on on that. There, there's some there's some dour underground hip hop of what was in style at the time, and I think yours is like this cool like little slice of life. And I didn't realize that it was like part of the Ron Contour, Ron Contour mythology. So that's very interesting. yeah. Well, I didn't really kind of I didn't really push it or, or label it as Ron. It was just, that's where my head was at during that time. But God damn, what a fucking time in hip hop. Oh, part of my language there. But man, <laughs> man, oh man, oh man, oh man. You know, ah. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm stuck in that era, man. Like, I'll be the first to admit, I'm, I'm stuck in the 90s with a little bit of current day flourish you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's just what i like you know like let let everybody else jump on the, the new shit how would it look if somebody my age i'm 47 years old how would it look if i i did stuff like that the 19 year olds was doing it wouldn't be a good look it wouldn't yeah. sound good like yeah. let me just do what i like to do you know what i'm yeah. saying and that's uh, my advice for like a lot of people that in, in my bracket in in this game you know yeah, you know, you've definitely been doing you for a, a really long time. Uh, I wanted to ask, because you have these, like, really deep underground rap roots, but you also incorporate a lot of uh, other influence, including jazz. Um, you bring kind of a, a singing element into it. And I've always been curious, um, hearing your stuff, you were kind of at the forerunner of rapping and singing. Has that ever kind of... Uh, have you ever gotten any pushback around that um, in terms of, of incorporating other other genres into your into your stuff in the underground world? To my knowledge, I've never I've never heard any negative feedback about that. I've only I've only heard positive things about it. And. Um, I don't know why I did it. It was just, you know, I was singing before rapping, really, like when I was a kid, I thought I was going to be like a famous singer mm. until rap really changed my mind i like the idea of using vocals as percussion 
you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much you can do with rap. It's direct expression because rap is just a conversation, right? Like, one thing I pride myself on is that I truly feel like I rap the same way I talk. If you listen to me <laughs> speaking right now, it's not that far from mm-hmm. the, 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 what I do on records, you know what I'm saying? And I just... What was the question again? I, 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 <laughs> no, no, that 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 sums it up. I, I feel like uh, I feel oh, like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Now I remember. And singing. <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah. So when I first started doing some recordings, eighty nine, ninety, I had toyed a little bit with throwing some melodies in there, but I I I don't really have. Uh, there wasn't anybody that directed me to do that, nor influenced me. It wasn't until I heard actually Trey Hardson from Farside, mm. I, you know, when they debuted with Bizarre Ride and he had done that. I was like, hey, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> I was like, other cats do that. And also, of course, Mike and Nine Freestyle mm-hmm. Fellowship. Yep. So between those two cats, it's like they kind of legitimized it for me and, and made me feel like I had more of a place to do that. Other cats had, had touched upon that too a little bit later on. True Goy from De La Soul, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I mean, to, to be honest with you, I mostly use it as hooks and more of what I consider to be a, a texture, not not really in the forefront, you know what I mean? I, I don't really have the confidence as a, a singer to, to come out as a singer, you know what I mean? I like rap. Huh. Okay. Okay. I like to rap, I, and and even more than rapping, I just I like I like doing the beats. That's that's even mm. more limitless to me. Mm. And you, that's, that's you, the future. That's the future, man. You may see the raps just eventually dwindle away completely. Well, I wanted to ask about that because you you did have kind of like a public retirement in in 2018 from rapping. Was was the idea that you were going to do more beats? I don't know what I was thinking. I, 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 I was, to, to be honest with you, I was having an emotional moment and also a little bit of trolling. Okay. I hadn't really made a cut and died decision to stop rapping. I, I figured that I would do a lot more instrumental stuff. You know what I mean? And I don't know what I was thinking. It was just, it was just a moment, which I did. I believe I reneged about that in public not too long after. As all rappers do. Rappers and boxers <laughs> never retire. Never. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, some sort of just retire by default. They just, they. Get, it's like a top. When a top runs out of energy, it's spinning slower and slower and slower. And then boom, like, man, that's my biggest nightmare. Like, let's say like this past year, I've, I've encountered, I think because of COVID and the state of the world, I, I've, I've had some moments of depression. You know, I got all kinds of head problems. I, I don't ever talk about that in the music, but it really, really messed with me this year. And, and I, I, I haven't done a whole lot of writing and even making that much new stuff. And, and it's like the biggest fear is what if this is it? Like, what if, what if there's no more to come? You know what I'm saying? Then again, you know, I, I do not. Um, I, I solicit to do work for other artists or whatever. And whenever I seem to do a um, 
a collaboration or feature for somebody, then I, I seem to be able to pull the, the writing together just fine. I think maybe I'm just being too critical on myself. But, um, you know, one day, one day it might be. You might either see me stopping rapping or, or, or the opposite. I might end up losing my mind and doing like 100 albums in a year. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, man. Nobody knows. Um, earlier you had mentioned um, going on tour with Cool Keith and Cutmaster Kurt. And um, immediately my mind sort of wanders to MF Doom. Um, I know you guys had a cut, had a song together, More Soup, which I love. Um, can you talk a little bit about just meeting Doom, working with him, and anything you remember about putting that track together? Yeah, okay. Well, like many of us that are, you know, aged enough to remember, you know, Doom debuted on third base, um, Gas Face. That was 1989. I remember tripping out on that when I when I seen Third Base come out. Not just because like the group was unique. Period. Third Base was a unique group. Not just because it was like two white guys, um, but stylistically, like they're on some cutting edge shit. Third Base is crazy. But I I just remember like the last verse, you know, introducing Zeb Love X. And I was like, who is this cat? That is, that's a wild style, man. I remember like I taped it on television. It was on, um, I don't remember what program, man, but I taped it and just rewinding his part over and over again. And just like when, when I, when Mr. Hood, the album came out, which was that 1990? 90, 91, maybe? I think it was 91. I was such a huge fan of KMD and me and my homeboy Prevail. I remember we was like, we're going to work with these guys one day. And, you know, unfortunately, Subrock passed away. But I, I had always made plans in the back of my head that at some point I would connect with Doom in whatever capacity that I possibly could. So let's flash forward to around... I guess it was late 2003. Uh, my manager at the time was doing a bit of work for for Doom, um, partial managing, and I don't know. I don't really recall exactly what else, but I had suggested the idea of, of doing a track, you know, put me in touch. And so he did. I made a beat. I did my rap. I sent it over to him. You know, we didn't do it in person, you know. Uh, that would have been cool, but Doom was very private, and I, I'm kind of like the same way, so I totally understand. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, he did a verse and sent it back, and I was elated. I was happy. He, he threw my name in the top of it or whatever. Um, so that was that. Did, did, did the track, held on to it until, you know, the, the right release to put it on, which was a couple years after that, but I think it was in um, 2004, we did, I think we did a couple shows together in, in Washington State. Well, I can think of one for sure, but all, all, let me, let me, let, let me uh, quicken it up here. You know, I never had uh, a real personal relationship with Doom and I was just fine with that. I was just happy to be able to connect 
on a track and to do performing and that was about it man it was it was um one of my bucket list things you know what i'm saying mm, mm, mm. and now oh, now that he's passed you know it's just it has even so much more weight to it for me personally you know absolutely thank you for sharing that um you're such an incredibly prolific artist we were uh talking before you came on about just the sheer amount of rapping that you've done and that led me to wonder do you do you feel like the summation of the if you listen to the entire catalog would it tell the story of your life yeah in, in, in a roundabout way, you know what I mean? Because you got to remember with, with rap music, I mean, the majority of us, it's it's not 100% autobiographical, you know? It's, it's There's always going to be elements of fantasy and there's always going to be omissions too, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's art, right? But I, I definitely feel that I put enough of myself in there where you, if if you do enjoy the music... I, I really think you'll catch an understanding of what I'm, I'm really about as a person, you know what I mean? Um, and I do it kind of like a journal in, in some ways. I may not be explicit about whatever the day was where I made the track, you know, a hundred percent, but I'm going to, I'm going to remember it. You know what I'm saying? I, I can look back at just about any of these albums or projects, songs, and I remember most of the sessions, and it, I recall basically whatever I did that day. So, in, in some intents and purposes, it's, it's like a journal for me. And I would like to think mm-hmm. there's there's enough of me in there where where somebody could almost feel like they know me in a, in a way. You know what I mean? I'm not really a people person. I'm I'm pretty recluse. I do like people, but I feel like the music is, that's, that's my way of being able to connect with people. And I love doing, I love chatting, like doing interview type of thing. Cause this is, this is the only platform I have to really explain what I'm about, you know? Well, well, well said, well said. Uh, As we wrap up here, what, what should, um, I don't want to wrap up yet. We we surface, <laughs> yo. Uh, yeah, this has been dope, man. We appreciate you being like yeah, super man. super candid and 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 real with us. Um, what should folks be on the lookout for for Mocha Only coming up? A longer interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, this there is- it is. There it is. We definitely uh, would love to have you back. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, like I said, like, I feel like we, there's so much more we could talk about, like, like, I, I would love to, if you guys could have me back at some point in time for a part two, I'd be, I'd be really happy about that. But um, as far as what's next, I'm working on an album right now. Hopefully I'll get it together in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's going to be called You've Been Great. Oh, no. You've been great. I hope to have that out for late spring, m- mid to late spring. That's that's my aim for that. Um, it'll be mostly vocal, but there'll be some instrumental stuff on there as well. Okay. And I have more projects under the name Tank God, is G A W D. 
um, that I'm hoping to get out there too. You know, me and Cutmaster Kurt just released a Tank God EP where Kurt did all the beats and I did all the raps under the alias Tank God. Tank God is a character I created. He's kind of like the continuation of Ron Contour. Ah. He's, a little, he's a little bit out there. He's really fascinated with um, vintage wrist watches. Um, it's kind of, he's a little bit suave. He's, he's pretty much out of his mind and he's completely stuck in like 1995 and battling the, you know, the whack rapper, the okay. whack rapper. <laughs> Everything's about the whack rapper and, and wristwatches. So tank, God, uh, you gotta be on the lookout for that because that the first EP just dropped Cutmaster Kurt did all the beats. I got cool Keith on there. Um, Dell the funky homo sapiens on there. Oh, sick. Uh, my homeboys Rustin Diamonds and an MC from Germany called Retrogot, who is somebody that Kurt's worked with for a long time. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty wild. We we got together last February and did it in person, the way that collaborations Sick. are supposed to do. You know, what I'm saying Kurt came to Vancouver, and rather than even record it at my studio, my pad, we rented out a separate studio in we gave ourselves three days to make an EP from scratch. He made the beats right there on the spot, did all the raps. Um, Keith couldn't make it in person. So he flew in his stuff. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's pretty crazy, man. You can check that out. It, it's available. The EP is called microphone deflection. Hey, <laughs> there it is. Well, well, Mocha, you've been great. Thank you for coming on the program, and we hope to talk. <laughs> <laughs> hope to talk to you again soon, man. Be well. All right, bless up, man. Peace. Thank you, man. Peace. Thank you. Thank you for having me. For sure. Dad Bod Rap Pod, that was our conversation with Mocha Only. Want to thank him for coming on. Unfortunately, you guys can't see how swagged out uh, Mocha was in, in the Zoom. But uh, yeah, really cool cat. Um, has so, so much catalog. And he was uh, kind enough to talk to us about his career. We thank him uh, as well as Cadence Weapon. We didn't set out to do a Canadian episode. It kind of just, it kind of found us. Um, it's kind of funny. We, we, I talk about this all the time. We used to do the themed, the city themed episodes when we were like mm -hmm. grasping for uh, like content in the early mm -hmm. days. But, and I realized Canada is not a city, but um, <laughs> it's like a, a region. Uh, but now it's kind of like we're, we've, we've rounded around this thing in podcasting and it's like, well, you know, we have two guests. We, we, we can put them together. And then there was kind of getting to a point where Dave would be like, okay, we're going to talk to this person. And I was like, no, they're not Canadian. Like, we, <laughs> we, <laughs> we can't, like we, this run of Canadians. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we're, we're grateful for, for the booking guide, uh, David Ma, for uh, always lining us up with the dope interviews. 
So yeah, let's call it thematic stitching. We pieced together a, <laughs> a, a Canada-centric episode. Um, Nate, my early bid for the name of this should be clearly Canadian. That's, that's, it's all up to you. It's all up to you. This is your it's producer. That's your decision. I think that's what this should be called. I was going to uh, go with Bro Canada. <laughs> uh, Canadian dry. <laughs> okay. 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 Oh Canada my fly. God. You guys. <laughs> we apologize to a uh, to Trudeau and everyone we've offended in the last uh, five minutes with our, with our Canada jokes. But I also posed this question on Twitter as part of our question of the week bit that we've been doing uh, for the past couple of weeks. And the question was, who is your favorite rapper from Canada and why? My favorite, I'll save till the end. Let me read a couple of tweets and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see what I say. But uh, the first one we're going to do is from Rowan Digg. Um, and he says, need to, so, need to show some love to chaos. Musically versatile, stylistically fun, and able to get nasty with the lyrics. I only have like one chaos point of reference in mind, but I'm, I'm a little tempted to go back. Um, another name that came up a lot was Cardinal Official. Brooklyn Union says Cardinal. And of course, honorable mention to Maestro Fresh West. Nate, give us a corollary to Canadian hip hop. Who is Maestro, Maestro Fresh West? Oh, like, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, okay, this, this is, this is, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I, I think he's their Big Daddy Kane, but like more of an MC okay. fan. Oh. Okay. It's okay. Like, he is like, he was a big mid 80s rapper. Like he did some fast yeah. stuff. He yeah. he got good production. He was popular. He's good looking. Like yeah, I think they think of this again. Canada, don't get mad at me. I don't know what the, the context was on the street at the time. I think he's their big daddy Kane, but I would think of him more as an MC Shannon. That only makes Is, sense in my head, and I don't think I'm doing a good job of it. Will Will Smith early like pre movie Will Smith? He's a, he's faster Fresh than Prince, that. Huh? and I, I know yeah. I know Will Smith has some fast stuff on the first record, but right. he's not that far off. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Big Daddy so, Canada, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Dave just has them in, in just reserve. Waiting for us to stop talking so we can slide in this really good joke. I was waiting. I was waiting like hours for that one. No. Uh, all right. Our next one is Greg Davis Music. Um, Dream Warriors, who I never, never heard of. I think they were the closest thing in Canada to diggable planet slash native tongue vibes. So I really want to check that out now. Mm -hmm. um, Ryan Rue six buck 65. Never seen anybody else in person that could calmly handle mic beats and scratch between verses simultaneously. And we will give the last word to frequent dad bod contributor all around swell dude, Sun Ra, um, who is from Montreal because I've only messed this up every time he comes on the program. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you're from Vancouver, eh? No, he's from, he's from Montreal. Um, he, he broke it down into three sections. Vet Cardinal, the way he brought dance, the way he brought in dance hall influence generally felt from here, meaning Canada. Current Trey Mission, Dope Flows, Beats, doesn't look to the U.S. Troll Drake, 
because we ate shit for years, but now the biggest commercial rappers from Toronto, and that's hilarious. Indeed it is hilarious. Um, and also, you know, that's my favorite Canadian rapper. I'm sorry, y'all, that, that seems ultra basic. I think it was me and Zilla Rocker were the only two that would actually <laughs> cop to that. Um, Drake. Drake. Yeah. I mean, he, he reps Toronto like Prodigy did Queensbridge, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which, you know, uh, and he also reps, reps Queensbridge and also he reps, you know, Atlanta <laughs> and Houston and yeah. Houston, Memphis, yeah. Disney. Yeah. Uh, Calabasas. <laughs> Disney and Google. Also, I mean. also from the UK, bruv. So uh, shout out to Drake, citizen of the world, my birthday twin. What else did you think I was going to do? Um, so that was our question of the week. We typically will post a question on Saturday or Sunday. Get us an answer before noon on a Monday. And you might could make it into an episode here. Shout out to everybody that chimed in. It's a really cool thread. You should go check out the entire thing at Dad Bod Rap Pod on Twitter. We also are on Instagram at Dad Bod Rap Pod. And we're doing a new thing. Uh, an ad promotion that we're doing with a new app called Stereo, where every Monday night uh, for the next six, seven weeks, we are going to be doing a live session on Stereo. The cool thing about the Stereo app is it allows you to record little audio messages and talk back to people who are hosting a room. So we're going to be hosting our dad bod room, 7.30 p.m. PST on Mondays. Download the Stereo app. Come check us out. We really appreciate it. Um, other than that, you know where to find the program because you found this program. But please continue to like, rate, subscribe. Tell your friends about the Dad Bod Rap Pod. We are a part of the Stony Island Podcast Mothership. Uh, shout out to the other shows on the network. Uh, Fatherhoods, who just had a really interesting episode with uh, Mike G., of the Jungle Brothers, uh, which I caught a little bit of, and, and I want to oh, wow. hear that. That's uh, super duty tough for work. The, for the podcast, for sure. That's cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. They, and they're, they're big Jungle Brothers fans. They had, like, real specific questions when I was on there. And I'm like, what do I look like, Nate LeBlanc? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have meta answers. I don't have specifics. Um, but, yeah, really, shout out to Fatherhoods. Um, shout out to Super Duty Tough Work. Um, their, their podcast keeps rolling along. So we're one big happy family and we got cups. We got mugs. We uh, we thought we had ran out, but somewhere under Open Mike Eagle's desk, he found a gang of dad bod rap pod mugs and you are the beneficiaries of this find. So uh, check us out, um, you know, link in the bio. You can get uh, a dad bod rap pod mug while supplies last for $10. Mr. Nate LeBlanc. I just wanted to point out that uh, there is now an official Stony Island audio Instagram. Mm. So just That's right. Everybody go give that a follow. Um, it's one more place you can, you can find us. Um, you can find all the other shows on the network. Um, not to like talk. I, I don't know about if you guys feel this. I feel, I love being on a team. Like it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like I really, yeah. I really, I'm really enjoying like the camaraderie of like being in this. We already had kind of our podcast, indie hip hop podcast bro community, but now like right. we have a specific other thing we can rep. And like I, I love being on Stony Island. It's been awesome so far. And so go follow yeah. it on Instagram. And it's just, it's like very weird that like 
one of the best indie rappers in the world is like selling my merch. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, really right, cool, right. But it still feels super weird. I'm like, aren't you like busy? Like, <laughs> he's like, I want these mugs out of my office. Like, buy a Pretty mug, much. get it, get Pretty it much. out of the house. So anyway, I, I, it's like, it's I'm sure he's thing. listening, going, yeah, I'm busy. Sell some mugs, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, <laughs> schlep the mugs. Why don't you? Uh, so Are yeah, you using shout- your mug for like household purposes at this point. I really like it because in on Zoom, it's just a constant kind of like flex advertising type of thing. Totally. Also, what I've realized is that when you have a mug that, you know, obviously is not clear, you could put anything in it and drink it during a Zoom meeting. So the Dad Bod Rap Pod mug works on a couple different levels. And yeah. we really appreciate if you picked up one. If you already got one from our first batch, uh shoot us a picture either uh tag us on instagram uh post it up on twitter we want to see your mug in action on your dirty kitchen counter speaking uh, of uh, why don't you get uh your lady friend or one of your kids to take a picture of you using it handsome let's go oh that's uh, right huh? these uh these pics rolling on this side too <laughs> that's right uh i'm talking this shit i still haven't you posted will never mine, see but... me using it but i will put some records near it or you know some coffee or something but okay know, okay something give me a pic there 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 it is my modeling career continues but uh we're so grateful that you tuned into this episode and we hope that you continue to rock with us in the future we are the dad bod rap pod Lonely Island Audio.